Hey, I'm Sean. And I'm Jesse. And, and we're, we're the, the DMs, DMs of, of Vancouver. Vancouver. We're two newish DMs who are still getting the hang of the whole DM thing. So we sit down with a friend every couple of weeks and pick their brain on their approach to DMing. So come along as we figure out how to help our players have the best time possible at the gaming table. This episode is brought to you in part by Dice Bart. Dice Bard is an online shop with a great selection of dice and sales that rotate every 24 hours. So if you ever have your sights set on a specific set but not a lot of cash, it won't be long till it goes on sale. Running for new players and want to get them quickly acquainted with the different dice they'll need? The Complete Adventures Dice Kit has 29 color-coded dice that are easy to distinguish while reaching hastily across the table so they can roll damage for their fireball spell. Visit DiceBard.com and use the code DMVAN at checkout to get free expedited shipping and let them know that we sent you. DiceBard has everything you need to play Dungeons & Dragons, as long as all you need is dice. This episode is also brought to you in part by Libris Arcana, Canada's premier dice subscription service. Every month you can get a new complete set from D4s to D20s delivered straight to your door. Dice themes are new each month and can be anything your mind can imagine and more. Visit LibrisArcana.com to get a subscription for just $7.97 Canadian each month. Use the promo code DMVAN to let them know we sent you. Be prepared to open up new worlds of adventure with Libris Arcana. folks welcome to another episode of dms of vancouver hi happy holidays it's, happy holidays it's the end of the year and we're doing our year-end episode uh talking about some stuff that happened this year stuff that's going to happen next year and uh all that kind of cool stuff i was listening to a different podcast um it's one of the the unpops network ones and he, he said something that made me laugh because we were planning to do this. He's like, yeah, it's the end of the year, so podcasts get lazy. So they do top 10 lists and wrap up episodes because they're too lazy to do some like actual content. Which is it's funny because we actually have content. We have like a two month <laughs> backlog at this point, but we we barely get to take the time to me and Sean just talk to each other on the show. Yeah. Um, so uh, I guess first first thing about this past year is and we've mentioned it but not really talked about it uh we joined the cave goblin network yeah the it's run by it's run by doug vandalay and talia murdoch uh we have had doug on the show twice now just the one time oh, just we, one we time. had that meeting with him here so it feels like we had him on the show another time <laughs> yeah so yeah talia does a podcast called everything economics which is super actually interesting um i'm not interested in economics just at, on a daily basis it's not one of my main interests but i started listening to the show because we're on the network with it and i wanted to check it out and um it's very good and very interesting and actually very helpful for me to you know understand like the economics of the pipeline or when there's a fun episode like she'll um she interviewed a bunch of people who had done a book about economics and superheroes so she had episodes talking about like the economics of the batman and the shadow or the economics of alan moore and stuff like that and uh, she asked me to mention that she's going to have upcoming episodes talking about the economics of fantasy settings. Um, I, I believe Game of Thrones is, was mentioned, but potentially other ones as well. And that's going to be kind of an ongoing, you know, every few episodes or maybe once a month. I'm not entirely sure uh, things she's going to be doing. And, you know, I, I don't know if she's DM'd. I, get, I, I don't think she has. But, you know, maybe at some point we should have her on to set, talk about setting up an economic setting for a game. <laughs> it's it's funny that you, because that's what I was thinking. Um, but every time I've seen people try to talk about economy in D and D, it's it's 
it's one of those things where you have to just hand wave it as it being fundamentally broken because adventurers can go out into the wild, kill a bunch of stuff. They basically generate gold out of nothing. <laughs> yeah, probably. It depends on how you run your game. I've I've started to not give out so much gold for that exact reason because they come, the party will come back to town and be like, so we're going to buy the castle. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of one of the problems with 5e, though, is there's only really, like, a page of equipment and stuff that would be useful for adventurers. And then it's like, well, what do I spend this thousand gold on? I don't have enough to buy a magic item, but I have way more money than I need for anything else. It's um, it's one of the reasons that we're, we're going to talk about this later. Um, Strongholds and Followers, uh, the PDF just got released. So we can dive into that a little bit later, but we've got some uh, some other stuff to, to cover first with the Cave Goblins Yeah, we got the other shows. Uh, Doug Vandalay, the other uh, proprietor, I guess, of the Cave Goblin Network, um, runs a show called Comedy Zeitgeist, where he interviews comedians talking about their careers and then comedians that they look up to. Um, so, you know, there's people who, you know, who might be like a, a local musical comedian who will also talk about Weird Al Yankovic and stuff like that. Uh, his show is very good. He does a lot of research about the people he has on, like... Almost a scary amount of research. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a great show. That's weekly, I believe. Um, and then currently, there's only one other show active. That's Podcast versus Podcast, uh, which is very funny. Um, basically, the the two hosts, um, Eric Ivanovich and Piers Ray, um, both pitch podcasts to each other. And the kind of the running joke is whoever, or if they ever both vote for the same show, if they ever agree on a show's better, they'll stop making that podcast and their <laughs> podcast to make that new one. Um, but, you know, they've had almost 800 episodes at this point, so uh, they still haven't agreed. <laughs> um, or actually, I think they have. But, you know, it's it's a joke and it's funny. And they've, they've got guests all the time. Our, our good friend Joe has been on there. Uh, Doug and Talia have both been on there. Uh, I think a bunch of other local comedians have gone on and off because um, I believe both Eric and Pierce do some comedy on the side. Speaking of Joe, speaking of Joe, he's uh, got something in the works that I'm pretty excited to, yeah, to has, listen to. Have you? Because he's shared them on the Slack. Have you listened to any of the episodes yet? No, I have not. Okay, he's got. Well, let's talk about what it is first. Yeah. So Joe is doing a show called uh, Tales of Frost Cricket. It's coming out in January, I believe. Um, he he mentioned it briefly last time he was on the show, but uh, production has taken a bit longer than expected. But because um, it's like a properly produced adventure story like i'm i'm super impressed with it i've i've been on a couple of episodes doing voices uh in one episode i am both the low the low point of the episode because my voice is not very good um though on the other episode i think i do a pretty good job um but basically essentially there are a bunch of legends and tales about this character named frost cricket and they're told in uh, joe can explain this so much better but basically they're they're told in various kind of styles so sometimes it'll be like Oh yeah, this is a story from like the archive of this great library. Sometimes it'll sound more like a campfire story. Um, and so uh, Joe, growing up, has listened to and read all of these different legends from a bunch of different cultures, and he's taking aspects about it from all of those stories and styles of storytelling and is making a show like that. So um, Joe narrates, and then other people come on and voice act. Um, and the other cool thing he's doing with the show is because they're told in a bunch of different styles of stories, Frost Cricket isn't always voiced by the same person. Um, and, you know, some other characters aren't always voiced by the same person. Um, and it still works really well. Like, uh, he's put five episodes that are, like, not quite done, but nearly done on the Slack, and I've listened to them all in a row. And, like, because he's writing them, and I think his writing is very good, 
especially for Frostricket's voice, it always feels like it's still her. Okay. And next on the list is, I don't know what the acronym is, DMTK Chef's Night. Okay, so yeah, that's a Dungeon Master's Test Kitchen. Okay. Um, we have an episode upcoming with uh, Kayla from that podcast. Um, their their show is trying out a bunch of different games as, as like actual plays. Uh, but they've started off a spinoff show called Chef's Night, and the idea is they take people who are who generally DM and don't have a lot of time to play. They bring them on. They get to be players, and you know, generally wild stuff happens because when you set a bunch of DMs down and go, "Oh, hey, why don't you make a character you've been one of the characters you've been thinking about playing for a long time?" You get weird results. <laughs> uh, so uh, they're doing it by arc. I believe they have a couple of people who are going to be regularly kind of regular cast members. But then there are people like me who are, uh, I'm playing a character in the first arc. And then after that arc's over, I'll be off the show and another DM will be brought in. Um, so uh, look, look out for that show. The first episode is already out. Uh, by the time this comes up, I think the second one might also be out. Uh, it's been a lot of fun playing with them. It was very nice of them to invite me. And uh, I think the show's a lot of fun. And also you get to hear me play a weird strange warlock character that i decided to do because why not yeah uh next up is craig chapman yes craig chapman uh friend of the show he's been on like three times now yeah um he runs a thing called dungeons dragons and do-gooders it's kind of a bunch of local sometimes free to play sometimes donation based to play games uh, in a bunch of local shops and some pubs he's mentioned it on the podcast i think every time he's been on <laughs> yeah like and it's it's grown and it's it's this whole big thing now like he runs a game almost every weeknight oh wow like i i, I might be exaggerating a little bit because I, I haven't managed to go to any of these but like i i see the events pop up regularly um but the the main kind of development there is that he's launched a patreon so um a bunch of the people who play with him regularly have you know can back him and give him money and then if they go to a, a, a you know a game where it's supposed to be pay to play or donate to pay, pay play or whatever they they don't have to they've already done it yeah um but the main main reason i want to mention it is i think it's really cool that our our, our pal this person who's been really helpful on the podcast his like you know eric fell partially came on because craig asked him if he wanted to be on for us um like he's he started this this Patreon at uh, the first like the first couple of days. He was already getting seventy six bucks a month or something like that. Like he he was successful right away, and like he's stirring up a bunch of interest, and he's doing I think something major for the local D and D community in Vancouver, and it's really cool, and it's it's really great to like you know see our our pal doing this. Yeah, and uh, lastly, in all the promo general news stuff, you're going to PodCon. I'm going to PodCon with the Cave Goblin Network. Um, yeah, this. This has been kind of great because I bought my ticket not really knowing what, what we were going to do. And then uh, I convinced Doug and Talia to come with me. Um, so the Cave Goblin Network is going to be at PodCon. Uh, I'll be there. Doug and Talia from their shows will be there. We may have things to give away. We're still figuring that out. But, you know, if you're at PodCon, come say hi. We're going to have a table for one of the days. But yeah, we'll be around. At, you know, if if you listen to the show and you're going to be there and you will, like would like to meet up and chat at some point, just let me know over Twitter or whatever, and we can set that up. But yeah, uh, yeah I was thinking maybe we could give away one of the um, what's it? We've got three copies of that book, Minions and Masters. Yeah, no, Masters I... and Minions. It's a bunch of like bosses for various level parties. Is it Minions and Masterminds? That's it. 
Yes. Uh, so I, I will be there with a copy of that book, and we're going to set up some sort of giveaway probably. And We still need to do a proper giveaway for the other two copies. <laughs> yeah, and, and the... the uh, um, uh, box D and D five E beginners box set. Yeah, that uh, Molly and Ryan Applejohn like very generous, generously gave us to do this for, uh, and also like I'm sure we can get dice. <laughs> um, we'll figure something out and do something probably in January. Yeah, you know there there is one thing I forgot about and I forgot it on the list. So I'm sorry, Sean. Doug Vandalay, guest on the show, guy from Cape Galvin Network. He's going to be doing a Twitch stream actual play of a game that he made called Everyone Is Jonas. Oh right, yeah, yeah. So um, you you made an NPC for that with I the did. thing. I haven't actually done that yet, but the the game is essentially um, all of the players are playing the kind of voices in Jonas's head, trying to get him to do specific secret goals. It's based on a game, uh, based on a game, a similar game. I think it's called Everyone Every- Is Joe. Everyone is joe i thought john or something yeah oh it might be john i think john makes more sense yeah and basically i think the 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 conceit of that game is that um you're all like you're playing at multiple characters but you only have control of the body at specific points yeah and so um like everybody has their own objective and all this kind of stuff and it's from what I've heard, it's a weird, wacky game that's meant to be kind of just like a one-shot thing. Yeah, I expect it to be hilarious. Yeah. Um, so I'm probably going to be on that sometime in the next couple of months. I, I think you also have a standing invitation to go on it whenever you want. Um, if I can find... Like, there's there's a bunch of stuff that I would like to do. I just need to find the time because work is nuts right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel for you, man, because your, your work, your schedule can vary and stuff, right? Yeah. So. One of the nice things about my new job is that I, you know, if I want to get off at 4.30, that's when I get off. But yeah, so that that's going to be a thing. I'll be on it sometime soon. Hopefully we can get Sean on it sometime. Um, and like, I, I think Joe has also extended the offer that you can come on cross cricket if you want anytime. Yeah. Like if, if you set it up. But um, so that's, that's some of the stuff we're up to, we're going to be involved in. And then there's one more promo thing. Uh, also for Cave Goblins, we're currently me, Doug, Joe, Eric, Piers, Talia, and I think one other person who's like not really part of the network yet are working on another show which is currently probably going to be called the cave goblin listeners club and it's going to be about twice a month i think we're going to basically be talking about an album so like for example if i want to talk about emotion by carly ray jepson which is one of the things on the list um i i will be the host for that episode i bring the album we have certain things we talk about through it you know we do some research or i'll do some research and we talk about it and it's going to be kind of a rotating host and guest thing so i won't be on every episode um but you know someone from the network always will be and hopefully we'll start getting in more guests and stuff like that that's pretty cool yeah it's you know i before i got super into D music was the thing i was really into all the time and i'm still really into music but you know i have more interests now um so <laughs> you it, have you have grown as a person yeah well it's gonna be really nice to be making something where i'm talking about music where i'm not the only person making it because like i don't know how to edit anything sean does all the <laughs> editing because sean's amazing at it also thank you for doing all the editing <laughs> Um, so let's get into the fun stuff. Yeah. Um, let's start with uh, new books and uh, new books that we've picked up picked up this year, or stuff that's come out this year that we're excited about. So Sean, Sean, I see you have a big stack of books there. I have a big stack of books here. Um, let's start with the biggest on the pile. Um, 
Goodman Games has done some awesome stuff with with Five E that I've seen. Like they do a, um, I think like Zine is almost the best way to put it. Like they put out these, um, like one they're meant to be like one shot or like one or two session adventures where they're like it's like a little magazine almost that's like meant for like four players at level 10 or four players at level one or four players at level whatever and they i think they have like an adventure for every level in D. yeah and they're if i'm not mistaken they're designed to be like old school i think first or second edition type adventures so a little bit higher on the difficulty curve they tend to be kind of dungeon crawly uh, some of them, some of them are also just like um, a little bit more fivey. Like there's a little bit more social interaction in some of them. But I think they've got something for whatever you're looking for. I think, um, and I I've bought a couple. I haven't had a chance to run any yet, but they're pretty awesome. And what they've done most recently that I'm excited about is they have taken. Um, the first edition modules in search of the unknown and the keep on the borderlands and put it into a single book into the borderlands um completely uh like all of the the plot and everything is straight out of those modules but they've tweaked everything so that it's ready to play for 5e yeah they've converted the whole thing for you so have you've looked through this book a bit sean yeah it's 384 pages including some old school ads at the back okay that's really cool what can you tell us about these adventures because i i've never played into the borderlands i know it's a Um, legendary kind of first e adventure um well one of the things that i noticed right when i opened the the book is the the inside of the front cover has a map and I think it's kind of funny because I never knew this, but um, I played D and D next with uh, I think Jason Romain and a couple people at uh, PAX one year, and and I think also just with like Jason Romain ran a couple of games for D and D next during Wait, the playtest. Wait, is Keep on the Borderlands the one where there's like a massive dungeon underground? Well, the, and I recognize this map because I recognize this like end of a valley with multiple tiers. Oh my god, I've played this. Yeah. I, I, you know, Jay, I think, ran that for me as well. Yeah. Okay. So, but yeah, Keep on the Borderlands, I don't quite remember uh, what the plot is, but I know that um, Matt Colville has talked about it a bunch. Um, it's, from what I remember, like, peop- from what I've seen, people who have played first edition, like, this is up there as one of the, like... It's iconic. Iconic first, okay. first edition D&D modules. Cool. Um, and I'm I'm pretty excited to play this. Uh, I think I'm going to try and get some people together to play here at my place. Um, uh, Roll twenty is great, but I kind of miss being around a table and playing with people. Yeah, I, I you know for uh, Chef's Night I've done a bit of Roll twenty and it's fine, but it's not my my thing. I would I would prefer sitting at a table and you know it's not always possible, but yeah. Uh, Sean, I I actually just realized there's a there's a very big book missing from your stack so i'm gonna go and get it and i'll okay. be right back okay you can leave this on the, the episode do 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 why am i singing the jeopardy thing this isn't like jeopardy or final jeopardy or anything he's just going to get a thing oh yes creature codex uh back this on kickstarter got the the fancy version sean tell me about this because i don't have a copy of creature codex uh i've taken a quick look through it i haven't had much time to like properly sit down um but it's it's pretty much very similar to 
uh, Tome of Beasts, except quickly flipping through it, it seems that uh, like Tome of Beasts had a very Feywild focus, where it was kind of all about... Like, they had, like, every... Um, in Tome of Beasts, every, like, fairy from, uh, like, the real-world folklore of, like... Well, real-world and, like, they had... Um, I can't remember how to pronounce his name, but he's the guy who put his soul... Like, it's a Russian folklore of the guy who put his soul in an egg, put the egg in a duck, put the duck in a duck. Like, his, he's very carefully hidden his soul that's so that he's immortal. Oh, yeah. And, like, Tomo Beast had, like, Baba Yaga and Baba her Yaga. horsemen and stuff and, like that. And, like, um, the, the fey court, so it had the, like, the queen of fairies, the, like, the... Was it Oberon and Titania? Or yeah, Oberon and Titania yeah. and a bunch of other fairies. And like it was very kind of fae focused. From flipping through this one just now, it looks like it's much more um, kind of like um, the... Oh, I can't remember the name of it. I am horrible at remembering names. Sorry, listeners. But this one seems to be a bit more... Like monstrous folklore. Demon focused. Like, de- like a little bit more... Yeah, monstrous, demonic, a little bit more darker, um, and and but but it's just like Tome of Beasts. It's got plenty of other monsters yeah. in there as well, so it's not just focused on a single kind of monster. It's got like most people. Yeah. So I've turned to a random page. <laughs> um, it's the Spree Demon, uh, and the Spree Demon is a uh, gnome who dies while succumbing to a vile homicidal desire. Uh, will sometimes return as murderous demonic creatures and it looks terrifying uh, <laughs> and i want this book at some point yeah it's uh it's cobalt press right yeah yeah um i've really enjoyed the tome of beasts because it's let me um have a couple of encounters because i think one of the things whether you're playing with new people or or veterans uh, everybody kind of knows, even if they, they don't really realize it, everybody kind of knows the stock D&D monsters. They know, you know, they know there's orcs and there's goblins and there's kobolds and there's dragons and slimes and some other things. But having resources like this lets you, like, I've been able to throw together a couple of really cool tomb encounters because they have, like, the they have some different mummy types and stuff like that. So you can do something really unique and interesting. Yeah. Well, and a thing that's helpful about it, and I think Eric Fell talked about it with Tomo Beast when he was on the show, because he uses that book as well, is that there are some creatures that resemble D&D monsters, but do different things. So you can sometimes, you know, if, if you want to pull one over on your players or do something a bit unexpected, it's helpful for that kind of stuff. Yeah. And also it gives Druid players a whole lot more options. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, one thing, don't make the same mistake I did, though. Properly understand what level creatures a, a druid can turn into, A. And B, make sure that you don't accidentally give them a horrifyingly disgusting creature like the Suture Fly from Tome of Beasts. Yeah, I remember talking about that. Yeah. That sounded unpleasant. Yeah. Next book! Uh, the next one that... Uh, I got this this year. Uh, it's Breakfast Cult. Uh, it's based on... It's powered by Fate. I'm pretty excited to run this because... Um, I think one of the things that I really enjoyed, like I ran Atomic Robo for Haley and Joe and my friend Nathan, and I really enjoyed it. And that kind of like one shot 
much lighter in tone a different system is something that i really enjoyed and i think breakfast cult will let me do something similar um and if for those of you who don't know breakfast cult is basically um any magical high school anime slash eldritch horror anime slash high school drama of any kind that you've seen that's basically breakfast cult you play as students who have been uh sent to a high school slash university that teaches them how to control their magical powers that they found out about um and you can do stuff like maybe the history teacher is trying to summon cthulhu or and the, the students have to figure out so wait wait so it's it's harry potter plus magical. lovecraft it's harry yeah it's harry but it's also got like a, it, um the influence are de- are definitely like you can you can play it as harry potter meets lovecraft you can play it as more like magical like any kind like i haven't seen very many but apparently there are a whole bunch of whatchamacallit animes based on like magical high school like kids who go to high school and then figure oh my god i've got magical powers like oh yeah that's uh, a pretty common genre yeah so that with some eldritch horror thrown in it's it seems pretty awesome i'm I'm looking forward to running i'm not sure if i'm going to do a a one-shot or try to do a campaign i've i feel like do a one-shot and see how it feels yeah because i've run i've only run a campaign in two systems or three systems so far uh D, star wars and eclipse phase and those are all three systems that while eclipse phase and star wars have a little bit more variance it's a little bit more storytelling focused because of the way the dice work um they're still very like dice based the player's fate is very much a storytelling game you're not really using the dice to like use the dice to determine kind of how awesome is the thing you did versus do you succeed at doing the thing is kind of my understanding uh yeah uh a bit both, both. yeah because there's there's a mechanic in it that gives you bonuses and rerolls with and the stuff fate like points. That. Yeah, and so it's it's more of a storytelling base. Uh, it's really interesting with the the fate games because um the McElroys when they finished their first arc of Adventure Zone kind of did a bunch of other games and different systems to try and figure one out. And I remember initially they thought that fate would be the best choice, and it turned out that no, because there weren't quite enough limitations with it. I think. Yeah. Because um, yeah, my understanding with fate is that. Um, like I've got the fate core book, I guess you could call it. And it's, it's basically like my understanding is when you're creating a character, like if you're going to create a, run a campaign in a fantasy setting, kind of like D and D, like say you're going to run a D and D campaign, but instead you're going to use the fate rules instead of choosing a fighter as your class and then choosing what weapons and figuring out if you want to feed or not, if you're playing as a human, blah, 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 blah. Like you just decide I'm the best, like, your um, your key aspect is I'm the best sword fighter in the world. And because there's so, like, it's kind of weird, and I because I've only really played games that are a little bit more constrained, like, being able to say that, yeah, you're just the best sword fighter in the world, because the whole thing with Fate is that, not so much with Breakfast Cult, because you're playing as students, but, like, in generic Fate, like, you're playing as the best of a thing. Like, the best sword fighter, the best thief, the best person at casting fireball like yeah 
I mean, that's that's not quite all of it, but that that's a big part of it. Yeah. And, like, as the DM, you could also be like, okay, no, you can't just be the best sword fighter in the world, but, but you can be highly competent with a sword. Or the or, best from your country. Yeah, or the best from your village, or, you know... Depending on the scope that you want to run. Well, but... and, like, you could also... Um, and this is the, the fun thing about Fate is you get to name your aspects, right? Yeah. So um, if I'm playing a rogue-like character, I can be like, oh, well, my aspect is becomes one with the shadows. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's not like D&D where you're just like, oh, yeah, I'm a rogue, so that means that I've got to have high dexterity so that I can have high sneak and high sleight of hand. Yeah. Like, so I haven't... I played a bit of Fate, but not enough to make like a lot of comments on the quality of it. But I hear that it is a very, very good system. Yeah, I think it's just one of those things that like I have trouble wrapping my head around because yeah. I've, I've only ever played D anD D and Pathfinder and stuff like that. Yeah, and I played Atomic Robo, and that was powered by Fate, yeah. and it was. I think the the thing that felt weird about it was that, um, at least with Atomic Robo, it's a little bit clearer that like because it's based on a comic, like kind of each session is meant to be thought of as a single issue of a comic book. So it's okay if a battle goes kind of quickly. Cause that's kind of what I found was that it felt like the pace was a lot quicker. Oh yeah. Like it felt like something that would take four or five sessions in D and D just because of how long combat takes. Like we got through like four or five, com- like it felt like, yeah, it just felt like it moved so much more quickly and that really threw me off. Yeah. Um, so if you're gonna run a fate game maybe you do a little bit more preparation well i think it's a thing of doing more less prep yeah like you do I, yeah you, pr- you prepare more things but you don't have to prepare as much because you don't have to worry about how many bad guys there are you don't have to like properly balance things you don't have to worry so much about you kind of have to be i think a little bit quicker on your feet you have to be a little bit more comfortable with improvising because because things can go really crazy yeah. so at least with atomic robo which is kind of yeah. the whole point i have a quick book i want to talk about that came out this year okay uh, before we move on to your next because i only have a few to talk about and you still got a couple of books yeah um i don't have it yet but uh, i think his name is michael shea or michael shea um better known as sly flourish yeah um released return of the lazy dungeon master this year and kind of talking on about more or less prep is i my understanding is that the book helps you prep faster and smarter, and I really want a physical copy once they're once that, well. I think they're available now, actually, before they were only PDFs. But once I have enough money to buy one, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've I I think I purchased the the the, the first book. Yeah. The how the lazy be, dungeon master the, the, i was trying to think was it tales of the lazy dungeon? like uh, no. no but the lazy dungeon master and i i've got the pdf first and i need to sit down and absorb it yeah but. well and the thing is that would have been written around the time of like fourth ed or maybe the end of 3.5 so some of the mechanical stuff may have changed and also you know he's done way more research talked to thousands of gms and stuff like that you've got another book in your hands yes what is this? um uh numenera it's a d20 based game um uh but it's i think the only you only need two dice a d20 and a d6 because that's all that the starter kit comes with okay um and it's kind of a more it's kind of in between fate and D. okay so a bit more streamlined a bit more streamlined but still with some crunch yeah, and it's it's kind of it's got something that's similar to the um, 
like it's got the task difficulty uh which it, the way it talks about it is kind of the same way that fate talks about it's the difficulty ladder uh and stuff like that but the basic idea is that the setting of numenera is um it's the ninth age on earth and every age that comes before has been uh completely different than the one before so now humans are living on a planet that has gone through so many radical changes there are satellites in orbit that we can't possibly understand there's machines underground that are you know slowly terraforming the planet there are nano machines in the air that people can harness and do magical things with um but nobody at this in the ninth age really understands how any of this stuff works so so think like fantasy but set in a post 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 apocalyptic earth like where people can do magical things but it's because there's technology around that you know isaac asimov is so highly advanced that it's might as well be just plain magic um so you get to do some pretty cool stuff and the the adventure it comes with is uh is pretty neat there's basically like this cult that's formed around this uh uh, what turns out to be just a power station that's siphoning power from the sun okay. <laughs> that's guarded by a robot that they think is a divine protector. Um, and just reading through it, it seems like it's um, it might hit that sweet spot for me of just being not so crunchy as to be hard for just bring somebody in for a one shot, but also has enough there that people can really express themselves. Because one of the things that I kind of found is that I, I enjoy fate like i've played atomic robot i'm looking forward to playing breakfast cult but one of the things that i found is that sometimes um, having some limitations makes characters feel more special because because there's limitations there's things for them to either try and overcome or because they're playing a specific class like numenera only has kind of really they're not really classes but they're three like archetypes okay um and so if you choose one of those archetypes, you can still be wildly different from somebody else who picks the same archetype, but you can be better at a thing than other people because you've decided you want to do that thing rather than kind of like the fate of just like, yeah, this is my aspect, so I'm good at it. Yeah. So Okay. That, that makes sense. That tiny bit of crunch, I think, is what I need to like really be able to pick a game up and understand it because I'm still, I've played Atomic Robo like, and I apparently did an okay job according to the players but i know Haley had fun yeah but i still feel like picking up a fate game i'm just like i'm not wrapping my head around this properly well you know it's a lot because there's so little of it so it it means that there's more work for you to do in some aspects yeah um let's talk about i think well we're gonna talk about the setting book first because i want to talk about this one last. okay um something that i got from kickstarter that i'm pretty uh i I think it's a really awesome book. I don't know how much I'm going to use it. Um, I'm pro- I'll probably try to use it to set up a one-shot. But it's called Embers of the Forgotten Kingdom. And this is basically a, uh, a Kickstarter that a couple of people did. Uh, there was yeah, a small team of people. Uh, you know, some writers, editors, some artists, stuff like that. And they came together and they basically created a setting guide for fantasy games so that you can run a dark stole dark souls style game okay um the and the idea is that there's a uh a king like this is a kingdom that regenerates whenever the elf queen queen of winter like 
takes on a new husband, the land gets regenerated. Like there's okay. a bunch of like kind of weird, cool backstory stuff. And but then this like visitor from a far land has come and like upset the balance by I can't remember exactly what's going on, but and if you stay too long in this kingdom, you just become a part of its story. And like there are monsters in this world because people, when they die, they just come back because the natural order has been upset. And so, like, the more you come back, the more twisted and malformed you become and eventually just go insane. Okay, and this was going to be my main question about it. Because I haven't played a lot of Dark Souls because I'm very bad at it. <laughs> um, but, I like, I understand part of the thing is, like, you die and you wake up by the fireplace. And you've lost a, your experience and stuff like that. But you can go back and get it. You've, yeah, you've, well, if you die, you lose your humanity. And you have to do something special to get humanity back. And my understanding in Dark Souls is that uh, if you have humanity... You have more life, um, but if you don't have humanity, you take less. Like there's a there's a trade off. Okay. Um, so, but it has a, a thing where like your players can die and come back. Yeah. Which is uh, kind of necessary for a game that's maybe built off Dark Souls and you know the yeah. extreme difficulty of it. Yeah, I think the only thing that I think this will be tricky for me and possibly for other DMs is that. This is system agnostic. Okay. So there's no monster character sheets or anything like that. If you oh. want to have a battle with the witch that has cursed the king's daughter and son, you have to create a character sheet. And uh, I don't know about you, but I don't have a lot of experience putting together monsters. Uh, most of my stuff has come either from Monster of the Day or from uh, like Tome of Beasts. Well, I mean, two things. I have a bit... A little tiny bit of character of experience building monsters from scratch. It, it's not a thing I like to do because it's super hard to balance it until you're really used to doing it. But I think the second thing is for a book like that, how long has it been out? Uh, I think I got this a month or two ago. So I want to say in three months, somebody on Reddit will probably have sat it out all those monsters for you. Yeah. But the other thing is, with a setting like this, where it's supposed to be, like, Dark Souls-esque, which means, like, also dark and hard, like, it's supposed to be difficult, you don't have to worry about balance so much. Yeah. Like, you can kill your players, and part of the game is going to be them trying to figure out how to get past that monster. Yeah. With the information they have. Yeah. Um... I mean not ideal of course <laughs> yeah for them and you do ha and they do have some examples of like magical items and also things that can happen to players when they die and come back um, and and i think their their suggestion is like you start off slow like you don't immediately jump to cool you're partially insane now like yeah. you start off with like minor deformities and stuff like that um and so yeah it's a pretty cool idea i think i might in sometime in 2019 try to do a one-shot with it that's all great um because it's it it's one of those things that if you're really into it i think you could run a campaign using this but i think you have to be like i don't think i'm the kind of person who would really super dive into like the dark souls for the lore i'd probably want to play the game to try and just get through it to see if i can do it and so i think i'm more suited to run a one-shot than a long campaign well, and it sounds like the type of system where you don't want to run a long campaign, but you maybe you want to run a campaign that's about the length of like one of the pre-made adventures uh, from from Wizards, which I think are supposed to be about six months to play. Yeah, if you're playing once a week. Yeah. Um, but 
You have another book. I do have. I have one more book. And this is one that I'm actually going to try and run for people at my work. And okay, it is so also... don't say too much about it. Yeah, I'm not going to say too much about it. But it's also one that I got from Kickstarter. Um, partially because of the, the art direction, honestly. Okay. Um, but it's called The Hidden Halls of Hazakor. And it's a adventure for beginning game masters and first level characters. So it's mm. kind of meant to be a book... That you, like, once you've run the beginner's box, or maybe even before, like, you could hand this to somebody who's a brand new DM, who's still getting the hang of being a DM, and this will walk them through, like, something that's a little bit more extended than the beginner's box. Okay. Um, And the basic idea is that you're a party of adventurers who uh, have shown up in this... There's a, a small town, and then there's this, like big underground dungeon that is um meant to be just like slowly explored like you slowly unlock various sections of it like i'm showing jesse like this is the big map for the the halls and you start off only having unlocked like a small section of it and you have to find the keys to unlock more of it okay so it's it's a it's a big dungeon a bigger a big-ish dungeon it's not it's It's big for a first level yeah so it's a big dungeon but it's actually kind of almost like six or seven smaller dungeons. Yeah. Where you have to get through one section to get the key. Like a Zelda game. Yeah. Okay. And I'm into it. Yeah. And uh, it's I've, I've, I've taken a quick look through it a couple of times. And it's, it's fairly well laid out. They've got a couple of cool little things that you can... Uh, there's probably PDFs so you can print out parts of it. Like there's a rat-eaten map that's got like part of what you need to know. Um, and they've got, I think they've got all of the, the monster stats that they, that show up in the game. And, um, like I was saying, one of the things that I think it was really cool about this was that like the art direction was, um, like looking at the front, like I showed just the front cover. The front cover is basically a bunch of, it's a bunch of female characters, but they're not sexualized. Like these are a bunch of like gnomes and dwarves. Yeah, Basically, they're, they're just wearing clothing yeah. that they would be wearing if and, they were, like, a monk. Yeah, and I think it, that was one of the things that when I read that, uh, like, I think it was something they mentioned in the Kickstarter, like, trying to make so this was something that anybody would be comfortable picking up and playing. Because it's something that I know that turns some people off of fantasy is the, you know, old 80s van murals of women in chainmail bikinis and having something like this that's a little bit more accessible and also appropriate for like giving to a bunch of grade schoolers who want to play D D. yeah um i have an interesting story about that style of art by the way um and this will only take a minute but a couple of years ago for christmas Haley's it was either her mom or her dad gave us a calendar full of that style of art <laughs> and we were both just like thanks <laughs> um anyway i have um a book I want to talk about really quickly. It's more of a zine uh, with the kind of caveat that I can't remember the name of it. Um, <laughs> but I know who wrote it and who made it. It's a guy named Matthew K. Hottie. He is a cartoonist. Uh, he lives in Toronto. He's originally from Australia. He's friends with Joe. Okay. He And he I think he actually illustrated a book for Joe uh, at some point. But he made a zine that's also meant for starter players with kind of a you know, four-encounter adventurer in it. Like pre-made characters, pre-made monsters, little, little cut-out standees for your characters and stuff like that. Um, and I play-tested it with Joe earlier this year. Joe ran and I played it. Me and Haley played it with some other folk. Um, and 
I wish I knew the name of it off the top of my head. I have a copy of it at home and I forgot to bring it. But uh, look up Matthew K. Hottie and see if you can find it because it's really fun. It's, you know, it's printoutable. Like you probably buy the PDF and just print it yourself. Um, and also he's a really nice dude. Uh, he makes a comic called Metal Beard that I keep hearing really good things about. Um, all right, next. On to your next book. Yeah, my next book that I don't own a copy of. I'm looking at your copy, but it's The Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. It's finally out. Um, I'm mostly excited about it because my last name is Boros, which means I can play as someone from the Boros Legion and be like, haha, it's me. It's just, <laughs> just my name. It's also a super inappropriate name, given who they are. Have I ever told you what my last name means? It basically means wino. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they wizards finally was like, oh, hey, we also own magic. Why don't we use some of those settings and built a like big comprehensive setting guide? Have you got to look through this much? Uh, again, it's like I've like every other book. I've had a time to like quickly take a look through it, but not really absorb it. Yeah. So basically, the the main thing with it is that the backgrounds are all the guilds in Ravnica, the city of guilds. The whole planet is a city. These ten guilds run the thing. Um, there's also, uh, I believe, stats for cent like PC centaurs, minotaurs, and various other like kind of like monstrous races or other races from Ravnica. Um, there's also a map pack that you picked up, yep. um, which I didn't know about until you told me that you had picked it up. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a map and, um, accessories, I guess is the best way to put it. Like, it's not just maps. It's also like got tokens and stuff. It's got some tokens. It's got like sheets that you can hand out to be like, oh, if you're part of this guild, here's a thing for you. Yeah. So I'm looking through it. There's a bunch of monsters in it as well. And a lot of them seem to be like, you know, iconic monsters or characters from Magic, which I, you know, it's super cool. I'm surprised it took them this long to do it. My understanding is there might also be an adventure in here, and I haven't. Oh, there's a guide for creating adventures. Okay. Um, but yeah, like this is this is a super cool idea, and uh, I've noticed that not a lot of people seem to realize, but the DMs Guild also has free setting guides for a bunch of their other settings. Um, they're not as extensive as this, but they're worth looking at. And, you know, if, if you're a big Magic fan and, like, say we want to run a game in Innistrad, they, they have the stuff there for you. Yeah. Um, it's also just useful to, to read for, through those types of things to be like, oh, hey, I want to make slightly not just the default fantasy world. I want vampires to be a big thing. What do I look at? Oh, yeah, I can look at Innistrad. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this is, I, I think, totally a book worth checking out. I'm going to eventually buy a copy when I have the spare money for it to you and uh i've picked up a couple other things like um i think yeah for my birthday i got some money from my parents i basically spent it all on game books that i haven't had a chance to run yet yeah um but i think the other ones are all uh powered by the apocalypse games like monster of the week worldwide wrestling um a couple other games uh that i haven't had a, i don't have physical copies of i've just got pdfs but bunch of stuff uh that i'm excited to to try out um i am i really desperately want to play a powered by the apocalypse game i haven't had the chance to it you you gave me a kit like a pay a printout copy of monster of the week and i haven't had a chance to even read it yet either it's yeah just... i think uh i think what i need to do is just start scheduling like short because th the thing is is that i don't want to try and get into a game before i know like okay will i feel comfortable running along like a couple month campaign like try to do 
like a one day one shot where like people get together around noon we spend an hour or so like just getting character set up getting our our minds wrapped around the rules and then play for a couple of hours and see where we get to and how we all feel about it because yeah like i've there's a couple of games that i played the beginners box sets and i love them like eclipse phase um or the starter rules from free rpg free rpg day but then there are games that i played a couple of sessions with people i'm like eh, no yeah um you know what we should talk about is it we 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 forgot the name again but masters and minions or minions and masterminds or whatever it's called that came out this year yeah i don't we have copies that we're going to be giving away at some point um we should talk about what that book is because it's really cool yeah it's basically uh what it is i think like it's not for every level, but they, it's like every three levels or so. Basically, they, they all kind of have a, a various levels. It's like yeah. one through three or two through four. Yeah, and the basic idea is that uh, the book provides you with a um, end boss for a campaign. Um, that like it tells you like okay here's their stats but also here's some background here's why they're a bad guy here's their minions so that you can have a bunch of one hp guys to throw at the your party during a fight so that yeah. the bad guy can get away yeah here's how you might set up this adventure or might lead into this adventure and so basically they're not really i mean they could be the end bosses for campaigns if they're higher levels but the way i was reading it when i <laughs> when you handed me my copy which thank you um was that it's like yeah you set up this adventure this is the kind of end boss this is like some of the stuff you can throw at them this is where they kind of got to figure out um and it's a really cool book i i spent like a couple hours uh when you get it got it because i amazingly had free time to read a, a dnd book uh reading the first few things and thinking about how i would set them up and there are some that are really cool the one that i saw that i want to try and use in a game is the um the orc mob boss she looks pretty cool i didn't even read that one. Oh. the the one i liked uh it was actually i think the first one in the book it's like a dryad who has like for some reason been drawn out of her forest and like you know killed someone in the street or is like going into town murdering people yeah and like how to deal with that and like it's really cool really creepy like and you could probably run it in two sessions with like minimal actual prep yeah um but yeah aside from the giant stack of books that we both want to to read and, and run games using uh is there anything else there are a couple other wizards books that came out this year uh dragon heist Ma dungeon of the mad mage um not xanathar's guide but uh martin kynan's tome of foes foes or whatever it's called they're they're all they're all good i haven't looked at mad mage i i assume it's helpful because it's like 27th layers of dungeon <laughs> um but like i i think dragon heist is a really cool adventure i'm looking forward to like actually properly running it in the new year um i liked martin kynan's book a lot partially because it means i didn't need to buy into the abyss to get all of those demon lord or devil lord stat blocks yeah but yeah like there there are cool books out this year um but sean sean you completed your first campaign yes and i'm going to preface this with i was definitely feeling like end of campaign fatigue like getting a little burnt out um well i i think that's actually really why don't we talk about that a bit so basically um now that everything's wrapped up i can kind of give more information on this whole setting so basically i homebrewed this world which 
as we were doing this this whole podcast, I kept realizing like, oh, I should have done this differently. I should have done this differently. But too late to go back and change it. But basically, uh, this it's this world where there's um, six fonts of magic. Earth, air, fire, water, spirit, and death. And uh, about a thousand years ago, um, all the, there was a great calamity or a bunch of calamities and all the fonts got locked. So magic is starting to disappear from the world. There's minor fonts so people can do like small little tricks and stuff still, but uh, magic is slowly dying. And um, my players started on the, on the continent with the water font and they did a bunch of adventuring around and eventually got pulled into tra- like realizing that they've got to fix the water font to... Uh, fix a whole bunch of things like there's a desert that's like slowly encroaching and like just swallowing the continent um, and bad things are happening there's basically the water font got locked up by a lich who tricked his brother who was the uh, court wizard for the king into like modifying the protection spells around the font so that when it went off it would just get locked and then he could just waltz in and, and take it but he he thought the spells didn't quite work that way, so the lich got locked in the font. Um, and uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on there. And then, and so the players eventually got to the castle where this font was, and they had the MacGuffin that they needed to get through the ice and get in. And it was kind of cool because one of my players was had grown tired of playing a bear totem barbarian because they're practically invincible they take half damage from everything except force damage um which means that at he had like 120 hp or something like he was a full 60 hp higher than anybody else which meant that it was honestly planning encounters started to get really tricky because if i wanted to make things like proper dangerous it meant that they'd be fighting something like i'd be pulling monsters out of the tome of beasts or off of reddit monster a day and realizing like this is something a monster that can really only go after the barbarian because any one of its attacks will take like half the health off of anybody else in the party because that's how we make things dangerous for a barbarian (laughs) um so it was just starting to get hard to plan things. And he was starting to get tired of just waiting in and not doing anything except just hitting things and not taking much damage. So together on the side, we had planned an epic death um, where basically I planned out he would uh, like, they would get into the, into the castle, uh, unlock the font. The font wouldn't quite be right yet, but then the Lich would, um, basically introduce himself and go because basically the font was basically like there's think throne room like big ornate throne room in the middle of it there's a well and if you go down into the well there's a big cavern where the actual font of magic is and they went down into the like the lich i think did used up one of his spells to like put the whammy in all of them so he could get down into the font and then they broke free and went down after him and there was this big battle. Uh, he had taken control of some uh, protectors of the font, which were basically iron golems. So they were fighting four iron golems and a lich. Um, and this was a party of five level 10 characters. So this is way above their CR. And so he, um, what happened was 
when they got down into the the font the lich used i switched up some of the spells and i used uh i think wall of force basically like you can create a dome or a wall that's impenetrable to separate the rest of the party from magnus the barbarian and he took a couple of hits and then they all broke free and then the lich used power word kill on one of the other ones but me and magnus's uh, player had uh, discussed this before and i because we're playing on roll 20 i could whisper a message to him be like you need to jump in front of this next attack he did and he died and then one of the gods of the setting came down and said like what he's like this lich is unbalancing the natural order you all need to make this right and brought magnus back as this level 20 spirit barbarian like and i gave him i gave him a bunch of extra powers he um he got something where like as a reaction he could protect somebody else from damage and reflect half the damage back on whatever was attacking them um they all got uh, a little bit of spirit power as well so like the cleric all of his healing spells would always do full healing like he didn't have to roll the the wizards are the the druid basically got unlimited wild shapes uh like I, i basically like whatever their core class thing was i made it really good yeah um so we had this like kind of crazy knockdown fight they killed the lich he falls into the font takes over the uh from the tome of beasts i used the sea dragon so there's an ancient sea dragon that he started to corrupt and take over then they fought that for a while then they eventually killed it um and there was meant to be a whole thing where they have to track down the lich lich's phylactery um which is in this castle far to the north in the middle of what is now a giant desert and i was thinking about that and like i kind of planned to do a hex crawl where they have to like trek through the desert and they'll find pieces of maps and like have to figure out like okay if we're at this castle and we've got a piece of a map that shows like some mountains over here and we've got another piece of a map that shows the other side of those mountains and another thing like they'd be able to slowly make their way through um but at the end of the session uh like as we were ending the battle and all that i'm just like and and magnus's character was saying his goodbyes because he's dead his spirit needs to uh go and be a protector i've got ideas for how to reuse his character like later on uh if you've read the wheel of time series basically the the horn of heroes he could be called back um but as we were wrapping up um just I was looking at all all of that and playing on roll 20 and definitely needing a break and just being like congratulations you've made it to the end of the campaign just decided that you know I can do another campaign like if if I, if some people want to play in a hex crawl like that style of campaign where you've got like a base of operations and you're going out and kind of free marches style more yeah. I think is the the better term for it um, I can do that where like, you know, a year from from when the players defeated the Lich, like there's rumblings of something in the north. And like, you know, I can maybe do free marches with a bunch of people and where they're just having to explore this desert and figure out where everything is to try and find the Lich. Because what I'm thinking is that the Lich was basically stuck in ice, slowly going mad. His goblin servant has been feeding him goblin souls instead of human souls so he's going to be a little weird now um but because he's basically spent a thousand years kind of getting depowered and like he's not at full power like it's going to take him a lot longer so basically 
whenever the players finally find his castle is when he regenerates. Um, uh, so, but there's, there's also a whole bunch more that I want to do in this world. And I was just kind of, I had kind of reached, cause I've reached burnout a couple of times already with this campaign because we've been playing for three years now, I think. Since before we started this podcast. Yeah. And we started this podcast like what, six months before we put out an episode. Yeah. So I think, actually, I think I looked at the, uh, the Facebook group. I think it was like two years and seven months or something like that. And I've, I've already been, I think like at once a year around Christmas time, I got burnt out. And I think this year it was kind of just a little bit worse because of the amount of work that it takes for me to prep a game at Roll20. Yeah. Um, because when we were playing around a table, I was fine. Like I could prep like six battles in about an hour because I'd have some graph paper. I could like figure out a dungeon and just like looking using like Kobold Fight Club and knowing what kind of monsters are in this dungeon. I could like very quickly figure out, you know, like a whole dungeon complex. Like I figured out a multi-layer tomb in like two hours, including a bunch of like historical stuff to put in there if they really looked around and things to make some of the battles more special, like environmental stuff that they could use and all this kind of stuff. Whereas with Roll20, it takes me two hours just to prep, like, just the map. Because of, like, because it's Roll20, I spend so much time either trying to find battle maps that other people have made that fit what I'm thinking, or using uh, either Pyromancer or fighting with campaign cartographer, like city cartographer or dungeon cartographer, which is software that if you know how to use CAD software, um, which is like software that engineers use to like do mechanical drawings and stuff like that, um, campaign cartographer, like it's, there's like three products. There's like dungeon cartographer. I I don't think cartographer is the right word. Well, I think it's campaign cartographer three and then dungeon something and city something. And the city one you can use to make city maps. Dungeon one you can use to make dungeon maps. The the campaign one is used to make like world maps. Okay. But because this is basically built on top of CAD software, the controls are so weird. Like, this is not like Photoshop where you're just like painting. Like, this is something where when you place an icon, like to move, like all the controls are so weird. So I don't really use it anymore. I'm feeling kind of stupid for buying it because it was expensive a little bit um i could have gotten some books instead but um yeah i feel like because it's roll 20 and because i can have nice maps like you feel like you need to yeah and then i feel like it's not just because i can it's also because i feel like with roll 20 having like a hand like when you're sitting around a table using a battle mat that i'm just like using wet erase markers to like draw stuff on and be like oh yeah and this thing here is a chair i'm gonna put a c on or ch that it's a chair yeah cool but with because it's on a computer screen like i feel like i it has to it be nice more yeah yeah like having a hand-drawn map in uh in roll 20 i feel like just doesn't cut it especially when like you've got like nice uh tokens for all the player characters and nice tokens for all the monsters having them on this kind of like weird hand-drawn map doesn't doesn't feel right okay um so i think that's like i've kind of just reached the point where like i think i can do one shots i think i can do short campaigns i can't do another like if i was looking down the barrel of a like a year-long campaign it would have to be in person 
Yeah. Okay, so I think this segues really nicely into this question that I have for you. Is what have you learned from it that you're going to use going forward? Well, if there's a couple of things that I've learned. I think one is being a little bit more careful about the magical items that I hand out. Because um, there was a sword that I handed out uh, that the barbarian got that he absolutely loved that was honestly probably meant for character, like a, a party five levels higher. Okay. Um, and I ended up having to take it away in kind of a cheaty way. Where basically... I think we talked about this a bit on Caitlin's episode, right? Yeah, basically what happened was they were tracking down a coven of witches. And I used the, the hags from the Tome of Beasts and the one from the... Or no, not the Tome of Beasts, the... Uh, one of the books that they came out that had like extended stuff for like kobolds. Xanathar's guys. Yeah, Xanathar's guy. Yeah. Um, no, what? Volo's guy. Volo's guy. Volo's guy. The monsters. Durr. Um, so what I ended up doing was that like they found the like this ancient tree that the hags had made. Uh, had uh, the inside of it was where their uh, their hideout was basically. And I basically used some magic to, like, lock them inside. But as part of that, I did the, like, the magic sucks them in. Like, if you, uh, like, if, you know, they open the door and there's this inky black rippling cloud with sparks, like, sparkles going through it. But when you touch it, you start to get dragged in. And the barbarian tried to use, i, I actually honestly surprised that he tried to use that sword. But he tried to use that sword to anchor himself so that he wouldn't get sucked in. Um, and... Had he used any other sword, I wouldn't have felt so bad about it. But because he used like his favorite sword that it was super powerful, like, like sorry, you can't keep your grip when this magical effect is pulling you in, and he lost the sword. Okay. Um, but but yeah, so like being a little bit more careful with magic items, I definitely had fun making magical items. Like one of the, uh, one of the things that I found really fun was taking something that was meant for like a level eight character and splitting it into like three or four items that all require attunement so that if you want the full effects of this thing, well, you can't because you can only have three attuned items, but you can get like, if, if it's not, if it's a magical item that I split into four parts, then one person can get most of the effects of that, like really powerful item, but it means they don't get any other magical items because they are only, they're attuned to the three things. Okay. Um, as well as creating like minor magical items. Like one of the, rings that i handed out was a wood carver's ring that they basically did double damage against wooden structures that's cool <laughs> which is something that it's 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 not going to help them against most monsters um there well, is when it does it's gonna be awesome when it does it's awesome and also led to some really cool role play moments of like that character being able to like bust through a wall to save one of their friends because it's made of wood all right um so we've talked a bit about what you've learned about magical items. What else, what else do you think that you've learned from running this going forward that'll be helpful? Uh, starting small. Okay. Um, I think we talked about this with, like, in the... I think we've talked about it a couple of times. Yeah, and I think it's the one thing that... I think this... Because with this campaign, it was definitely meant to be... Okay, I'm going to... These players are going to be part of the story that leads to this epic showdown with this lich like i knew that from the start that that's where i wanted to end up and i think what i need to do is like i didn't feel like it was railroading the players all said that they really enjoyed the campaign that they really enjoyed the story and all of that 
but I think that I, I, I need to give telling a smaller story a shot. And if it turns into something bigger, cool. But I think I need to give a shot to telling like smaller stories, like things that small campaigns that can be done in a couple of months. Um, because I really love this group, um, but I also want to play with more people. Yeah. And I can't play with more people if I'm stuck in a two or three year campaign. Yeah. So I think telling smaller stories um i think one of the things that i can do now and because i realized that some of the other fonts in the world are more suited to smaller stories um like the font of earth is basically this mega dungeon that is slowly growing and like it's it's eating a city and what i'd like to do there is tell us um suicide squad style story okay where the rulers of this of the of this kingdom of the jade empire basically have just started emptying out their dungeons putting together parties of four to six people and throwing them in with a handler and saying solve this and so that would be something where you can have like a suicide squad style story where like you're being sent into this dungeon that you might not be able to get out of you might not survive and you've like it would let people play an evil character but give them like a real evil character like i watched um i think i got this idea a little bit from matt colville or the anti-heroes anti-villain kind of like yeah so like somebody can play an anti-hero they can play a hero who just was on the wrong side of the law and was in the dungeon they can play a proper villain like somebody who is a bad person but is being forced to work together like it lets people do whatever they want but like i can have uh, an NPC that's basically following them around that they can't kill because they have to keep them alive because the magic things around their necks or whatever things that have been implanted whatever are tied to his life force so like he's there to make sure that they all work together towards this goal and they have to keep uh, <laughs> that like I would play in that campaign that sounds great yeah uh, there's uh, the what I'm thinking for the fire kingdom is basically it's a beholder that has taken over the font of fire there's basically like i have a world map where it's basically a fire wall has sprung up and everybody inside of that is basically trapped in this like kind of fiery hellscape now and i like telling a kind of uh the the story of a rebellion against this tyrannical leader who has control of this font could be something fun where it's like you're starting kind of Either somehow you've like made your way through this wall of fire or your people that have grown up here and like trying to fix this thing that's happening. So still pretty epic stories, but on a smaller scale than what you Smaller you've scale and smaller timeline. Like that yeah. would probably be something that like probably play with more veteran players and probably start at a higher level, like start at level ten. Okay. Yeah. Um the the wind font is something similar, like it's basically a a kraken that's stuck in this giant hurricane <laughs> the the spirit font is um i actually found a um a something on one of the 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 reddit the subreddits for D where somebody had put together um some player options some monsters and some other stuff for like plant-based stuff Okay. So there's like you could play somebody who's like partially a plant okay. you know, as a character, but one of the monsters in there was the uh, like the thorn dragon or something like that. It's basically a whole mass of vines that are a dragon. So it, like its breath weapon is uh, needles, 
And so it's got like that. And basically my idea for the spirit font is it's this island that's been overrun with life. So like plants are growing huge. Um, animals are getting bigger. The sea around it is being overtaken by vines that are making it impossible to pass. Um, so there's something there. The death font um, is... I've got ideas for there, but I don't want to go too deep into it. Basically, where the death font is, there's this... Um, like alternate pantheon that sprung up on that continent and um they're basically like they're stuck in towns with walls because the dead are roaming the land and they occasionally get together band together and go on crusades because like some uh undead necromancer has started to gather an army and they need to go and stop that because like basically everybody in this land knows that they're keeping the undead from overwhelming the rest of the world so they've got a very like hard outlook on life so there's that would probably be a little bit of a longer campaign but maybe not um this all sounds great yeah so i've got ideas on smaller scale things to run um and i'm glad that i ran this longer campaign i'm glad that i've i put in all the work so i've got all this history i've got ideas i've got all sorts of things i've got a pantheon sorted out i've got a reason for why the characters have magical powers even though the fonts have been locked uh i've got ideas for what happens after all the fonts are unlocked um basically the fey come back into the world <laughs> um and once the fey are dealt with the void dragon from the tome of beasts the thing that when it dies, it does like three hundred four three like three or four hundred damage to everything within a hundred kilometers. So yeah, I've got like, and I think that's kind of what I've learned from this is like do smaller stories. I think because of work and just my schedule, I don't have the mental stamina to run year or two year or three year campaigns. Like I have to run shorter things and. Also, like we were talking about earlier, I've got so many other systems that I want to run and play around with. So I think I need to run like run a short six-month campaign and then play some other things for a few months and then run another short campaign. And and you can actually play in games sometimes. That would be nice too. Yeah, because that's something that like I don't have a lot of free... Like I basically can't play during the week. So I can only play on Saturdays and Sundays. And when I was playing... When I was running a game every Sunday, it meant that I like didn't really want to play or do anything on the Saturday because that's usually either when we recorded or when me and my girlfriend would be like doing stuff because I'd be spending, especially now with Roll20, I'd be spending a lot more time prepping. Yeah. So, And now sometimes we can record on Sundays. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I've, I think I've learned a bunch of stuff from, from the campaign, but also doing the podcast has kind of highlighted areas where it's like, oh yeah, like... Uh, we did, uh, I think one of the times we talked to Joe or Ray, we talked about like just starting in like a small area, like a valley. On Hobbes. Yeah, like a valley between two kingdoms where they're in a town and you only have to know about this town. And if they really decide that they're going to go trekking throughout the world, then you can start figuring stuff out. So that's probably what I would do with some of the other areas of the world is just kind of figure out, like do a session zero, figure out are these people natives to this area of the world are they have they been sent here um how do they all end together and then figure out like okay based on all of their backstories they're 
they were sent from another continent on a ship and they have just landed on the shores of the the death continent basically and then we can start from there like i have a port town and that's going to have some problems and they can start to figure that out not like not trying to figure out the end point of the campaign like kind of figuring that out like i think it'll be a little bit easier now because i've got i've got kind of um uh, forgotten realms has like not so much guilds as oh the factions the factions yeah. yeah so i've got factions i've got some secret factions like i kind of know what's going on so like i know that when they reach an appropriate point i can figure out who the kind of big bad is for whatever it is that they've been yeah. dealing with well and you can go into even a small campaign with some idea of what the end point is going to be like yeah um, and I, I think it's helpful because you can start to write the game in that direction. Yeah. But like, yeah, that's like not being like, yes, it's going to, they're going to have to get up to level 10 from one and then fight this lich. It's like, oh, well, that actually takes a long time by regular XP. Yeah. And I think like I had planned out a bunch of stuff. Like they start over here and then they have to deal with this city's problem and they're going to come down here yeah. and have to deal with a bunch of stuff. They'll like... Most of the major story beats I had kind of already figured out. And it, while it did help in some ways, I think having most of it in my head being like, oh, hey, we're going to have this epic campaign, it's also kind of hamstrung me. And I think it's also part of the reason for the burnout is like, I, I, they beat the Lich and I looked at what I had kind of planned out for what was coming next. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't want to. And that's an entire, that could, like, what you described could easily be an entire campaign. Yeah. And that's awesome. Yeah. So I've got lots of ideas, and I've, I've definitely, I think, doing the podcast and running that long campaign have definitely showed me kind of the areas where I'm weaker and things that I can do better, and gave me lots of ideas for things to do next. Yeah. So I am looking forward to playing some more. Um, I think I definitely need to take a break until the new year, though. Um <sighs> but uh it's a lot yeah it's a lot this time of year anyway yeah like yeah i'm i'm going away for a little while to go visit girlfriend's family out east and work stuff and yeah there's so many things going on that i don't think i have the just the brain power right now to dive into any of that so we've talked about things from this past year with the show we've talked about books we've talked about your campaign which has actually been super interesting and we probably could have done a whole episode on (laughs) I want to talk about a couple other things quickly. Um, one, our friends at Zero D20, uh, Fracturia, are just, I think, a month or two away from wrapping up that show, and they're starting a new one. Uh, we had Jaylen on not too long ago, and, and she was talking after the show a bit about what they're playing. I know they've already started playing it, um, so that's a thing to look forward to coming up. Um, Strongholds and Followers is out. Yeah, and that's actually something um, that we should have talked about earlier. We should have talked about earlier, but I'm also um, I'm thinking that for some of the stuff that I want to do, I think having that book so that they can have their own personal goal for like we we've got a stronghold. Like they start with I don't know some rundown castle and they want to start building it up or whatever it is. Like I haven't looked at the book for him. I haven't, yeah. but like I feel like that would have a lot of options for running. The desert thing, I think it would be amazing. Yeah, like they could go and claim a castle and have to start building it up, which means securing the area, which means finding resources in in a slightly recovering desert area. And yeah, so there's all sorts of stuff, I think, in that book that would be super awesome. Yeah, I already mentioned it a bit. Dragon Heist, I think, 
would be is I think a super useful book for a lot of people to look at, uh, especially if they ever want to run anything in an urban setting. Yeah, um, I would hundred percent recommend it for people. I think I, it's also inspired me to try something different because I'm going to be running it starting from scratch with some people, and I've decided because there are some encounters early on in it which are like great for the story, but like mechanically aren't necessarily that interesting. So I'm going to try, and I'm saying this because I don't think any of my players listen, any of the players listen to this, maybe maybe Isla, but I'm going to try and cut some of that out and kind of um, start in medias res, but like kind of cut back and forth and allow the players to tell me what happened instead of just like, you do this fight and it's sort of interesting, but now you're down half your hit points and you still have the whole rest of this adventure to do before you get a rest. Yeah. So yeah, there's yeah, lots of cool stuff. I think the so many books, so many things that I want to do. Yeah. Just never enough time. Yes. Um, I'm, it's one of the reasons that I'm honestly pretty jealous of Craig Chapman because he's living the dream. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I'm i not sure if that's the only thing he's doing for money. I do think he's also working, which probably, I, yeah. I think it's a lot sometimes, probably. But, like, uh, Craig... Craig loves doing it and has so much experience and is good at doing it. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to talk very quickly about one other thing. Um, Molly Applejohn, we've had them on the show. They, they've been running a campaign for me. And actually tonight, we're, um, me and Haley are going over to their place and they're wrapping up this kind of first arc of it. And, you know, we're going to be juggling DMs for a while and stuff like that until they're ready to do the next part. But, like, um, for me, this campaign has been incredibly refreshing because we don't really use battle mats, um, and a, a, like a lot of it is RP and narrative, um, and it has really shown me what you can do with the game without necessarily having to make it all about fights all the time. Yeah, um, and I think that's a really worthwhile thing for people to think about if they've only ever run like the fight heavy campaigns. Um, and also, like, Molly is an excellent DM, and I we have a great time going over there every couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, so I think one last thing before we wrap up. Uh, huge thanks to our sponsors, because um, it feels kind of weird. Like, we've been doing this for, like, a year or so now, and, like, we've got sponsors, and, like, it's always felt real, but now it feels real. It's like, oh, people are recognizing the thing we do. It's also interesting, because, like, like, behind the curtain, we get, like, about 100 downloads per episode right now, or, or historically, that's where we've been at for about a while. Um, and like, I'm starting to meet people who listen to our show, who also make their own shows who are like, oh yeah, your show is super helpful. <laughs> and it's weird. Cause I didn't expect that to ever be a thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I was never really expecting anything big. I mean, it would be awesome if we could live off of this thing, but I don't think that's ever really going to happen. But the fact that people are listening to it and it's helping people. Yeah. Um, and we're getting recognized for that by sponsors going like, yeah, people are listening to your show, so we're going to help you out. That's super awesome. Yeah. And well, and like, it's the same thing with Cave Goblins, right? Like them approaching us and being like, yeah, we want your show on the network, not just because like we've met you and you seem like good dudes, but because like we enjoy it and we think it's a good show. Yeah. Yeah. You no, know this year has been super great for making this show um i think that our first year was good but a bit rough at times just getting into the swing of doing it yeah i think we figured out i mean it doesn't work with every guest but i think we've kind of figured out that the much more conversational style like we've we've 
been pretty good about finding people who are enthusiastic about a thing in in role-playing games and i think talking to people who are really enthusiastic about something have been some of our favorite episodes yeah well and like that's that's how i approach people about the show now right like some people are like oh i'll just talk about whatever you want like and that works out like we had uh sean halloran on um and you know he was like oh just you know give me a few topics and I'll pick one. And he picked skills. And I think that was one of our better episodes uh, from like the recent poll. Not maybe not the best one. (laughs) I I think both our episodes with Lester and Molly were both really excellent. Um, But like having people like, I think cause I've, we haven't set up things with them yet, but I've talked to some people and you know, about coming on the show they're like, Oh, what do you want me to talk about? And I'm like, Oh, I want, ideally i want you to talk about what you think you're really good at or what you really like about dming because that's a better conversation and like people look at me like oh oh wait so it's like you you appreciate my ability to do this and like wanna me to talk about the thing that i like doing and it's it's weird uh it's it's not weird but it's like i think a lot of people aren't used to that and it's it's really nice when people are like happy to come on the show yeah um, and also if you listen to the show and you like it in your DM in your DM and you like, you want to come on and talk about some stuff, you know, you can send us a message about that. <laughs> yeah. Cause we can do remote recordings. If you're in the lower mainland, we can meet up. Um, we have another studio now technically that we can use. <laughs> yeah. The, the cave goblins are helping us out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you so much to everybody that's come on the show this yeah. last year. And thank you so much to everybody who's been listening. Um, we're, we're hoping to put out even more great episodes next year and and do some awesome stuff like i've got the start of a plan to do a like mini con for us to run just like a huge game oh um but that is something that's going to take a lot of planning um so it's probably not going to happen until late next year but sean if we do it in association with some of our actual place friends we know people who actually like do that kind of stuff yeah I've got ideas and I need to tag some people and sit down and yeah, like talk I, it out. I, a thing I want to do in the new year is like have a big, not an official thing, but like a meetup where we like meet up with some of the people from like zero D 20 and dungeon masters test kitchen. And like, there's a YBR dungeon masters, like Facebook thing that we're both a part of. Like I would like to meet up with a bunch of those people. And even if we're just going to like sit around and talk shop or just play board games at like pizzeria Ludica or whatever it's called. Um, or storm crow. Yeah. But uh, also, yeah. I want to have Eric Fell on again. That guy is hilarious. Yeah. So yeah, this year, this year's been great. I think next year is going to also be really awesome. I think. Yeah, I'm just really looking forward to next year and all yeah. the stuff we're going to do. Yeah, we're going to try and go to like actual shows and be properly set up and planned around that. Yeah. Though that probably won't be till later. Uh, I just want to say at the last thing too, like we uh, really appreciate hearing from our listeners. Um, you know, we've, we've just started, you know, we occasionally get an email or something like that. And it's really nice. But yeah, if you enjoy the show, please let us know. We, we like hearing from you guys. It makes us feel great. And honestly, it like makes it even easier to do the show. Yeah. Um, and also like, if you have any criticisms, we're open to hearing them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you know, that, that can be very helpful. <laughs> yeah. Cause seeing, yeah. I mean, seeing the number of people who have downloaded an episode, it, at the end of the day, it kind of means nothing because, like, there could be people subscribed that never listen to an episode. Well, and, like, we know that, like, at least two of those, is one is me, one is Haley. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, if you like the show, let us know because, like Justin said, it makes it easier to do this knowing that there are people out there enjoying the show, listening to it, and that it's helping people. And honestly, if you want us to have a guest that we've had on before back that we like don't seem to be repeating, like Craig and Joe and Ray come on pretty often, but like, and uh, Jalen's come on a couple of times. But like, if you if you're like, oh, I really liked, I don't know, Lester's episode, you know, let us know because we'd be happy to have those people back on the show again. Yeah. And if, if you want to hear from them, we can do that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. And here's to another great year. Yeah. Thank you so much to Haley Boros for our art. She designed a new logo for us this year. And uh, and although he probably is never going to listen to this because his music is goddamn everywhere, but Overworld by Kevin McLeod, it's our theme music. And the fact that he's done something awesome by putting all that music up is fantastic although if you get familiar with his stuff you start to hear it everywhere oh yeah i've noticed um thank you to our patrons on patreon uh, it really helps us out even a little bit amount because you know we can use it to help uh pay for our subscription like to uh where we're on pippa now yeah and you know stuff like that uh and for just a dollar a month you get access to episodes uh a week early um We've kind of scaled it down this year. Like we, we were trying to think of like, oh, what's all the cool, fun stuff? But we realized that when it comes to podcasts, it's kind of like web comics. Like you get access, uh, you know, get access a week early. Um, and I mean, maybe in the future we might do something more. But really, all we're looking for is just you know whatever support you can give, whatever you're comfortable with. Yeah, and speaking of support. Uh reviews on itunes or any other site we happen to be on that does reviews are super helpful i understand that they're a lot of work like you have to set up your account you have to go to the page it's it's like not as easy as it should be but like you know if, if you have the time reviews would be amazing they'll help us show up they'll help more people find the show speaking of places that you can review us we're on spotify now yeah, we're on Spotify. That was surprisingly easy to actually do. <laughs> I, that's mostly thanks to where Pippa is one of the partners that is able to publish to Spotify. So, yeah. Ooh, Also, we're on Stitcher, which is a thing uh, me and Doug did the other day. Oh, yeah. Cool. Uh, you Actually, you can also find us on the Cave Goblins website. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be adding our episodes to there. I'm probably going to go back and slowly add the archive to it as well. Uh, and if... Uh, because we're with Peppa, if if you're interested in, in if you listen to podcasts on YouTube, we can also be on YouTube as well. Uh, so if that's something you want, reach out, let us know. We should just probably do. It. We should probably just do it. Um, also, uh, and this is a big thing. Like, you can get in contact with us over Twitter at DMs of Vancouver. I'm at Jesse the Red. Sean is at Sean P Hagen. We've also got our DMs of Vancouver email address, which is just DMs of Vancouver at gmail.com. But like if you like the show and you can't do the iTunes review for whichever reason, like also you know, just mention that you enjoy the show on Twitter is great. Like it's it's amazing to see that. Yeah. Uh, we don't have a hashtag for you to use and share, which is something we should probably figure out. Hashtag DMs of Vancouver. Hashtag DMs we, of Vancouver. Wait. Or we should you... check that. I'm gonna check it. Or... We can edit this out. <laughs> But uh, while Jesse is looking that up, also, huge thanks to our sponsors, uh, Libris Arcana and Dice Bard. They've got a lot of awesome stuff. I know Jesse has picked up some some cool cool dice so far, and I am doing my darndest not to fall into that hole because 
I have a problem when it comes to buying dice. I just buy too many. Yeah, hashtag DMs of Vancouver. So uh, I have Liberus's monthly subscription. Uh, and it was actually really cool because they're shutting down for the holidays. And so what they did in order to make sure that people aren't going to miss out on their subscription is they actually went ahead and like put January's with December. So I got two set of, sets of dice this, this month. And that's like, in Canada, it's like eight bucks. It's not a lot of money. And like, honestly, getting a, a set of dice every month is just in the mail is cool. I like getting stuff in the mail. <laughs> um, and I've definitely bought some stuff from Dice Bard. They, I think they recently took over a, a Kickstarter that needed more funding, but like making wood stuff. So that might be a thing that they're adding soon. Uh, they've also started doing like, a, like many adventures and... They've, like, they've got cool dice, and um, it's already passed this year, but around the holidays every year, they also do like kind of a grab bag, where I think you pay 20 bucks and you get like three or four sets of dice, and there's a chance that some of them will be metal dice, and like get a dice bag, and all that kind of stuff. And I got that last year, and that was really cool to get, too. Is there anything else that we have to cover? Uh, I want to do a quick shout-out to Sean Halloran at Material Components. He's been on the show a couple of times. I just got my hero book in the mail. Uh, finally after some delays and stuff like that and it is very cool and I forgot to bring it to show you and I'm sorry about that but it's um, it's worth checking out and now I think you can I think you still have to pre-order them at the, at the store and also during this episode we mentioned that his next Kickstarter will be going live back in November uh, and it got delayed for some like logistical reasons so that'll be happening in the new year now so check that out when it comes out we'll be sure to tweet about it okay but yeah, one more time, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you so much to all of our guests. And thank you to all of our guests that are going to join us in the new year. Yeah, we've already got a couple of good episodes recorded, and I'm really excited to release them. So thanks so much for listening, everybody. Have uh, like a good holiday season and a great New Year's. And uh, we'll see you next year. Bye. Bye. This is a Cave Goblin podcast. For other podcasts like this, visit cavegoblins.com. We hope you have enjoyed this program.